This week on the 10A Podcast, Hard to Love with Jenna Romano. Schedules are not what you want, holidays are not what you want. I guess I'm a more internalized person, so I almost find myself less likely to probably open up about my day just because of that. This is going to be a relationship where both parties have to bring their A-game. Let's flip the script. Till death do us part and all the garbage in between. <laughs> when I'm done with it, the last thing I want to do is recant the horrors that I've been work at home. I want home to be as far from that mindset as possible. There is nothing in our household that is thin blue line or anything else like that. I don't want to talk about this. I signed up to be a team, not to have you do all the work and suffer all the consequences alone. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to another installment of the 10A Podcast. This is episode 309, Hard to Love, with my good friend Jenna Romano and my new friends Amy and Bo. This episode talks about a very important topic regarding healthy relationships because of a few reasons, actually. First being, cops have an embarrassingly high divorce rate. According to a 2021 study done by the FBI, the national average of marriages ending in divorce is around 50%. Meanwhile, some statistics show the rate of divorce in law enforcement, whether one or both members are officers, can be as high as 70%. That is not good. The significance of family on law enforcement and mental health and resiliency cannot be understated. But before we dive too far into this topic, let's go ahead and check out our sponsors. Listen, it's no surprise to anyone that law enforcement agencies suck at getting the word out to their citizens they serve. Whether it's debriefing a critical incident or educating the public about various aspects of law enforcement, it takes a special skill set that too many in law enforcement don't have. In this ever-changing world of social media, do you your agency, and your community a favor and check out TOC Public Relations, a company ran by former law enforcement to help you get your message out in an appropriate and professional way. Check them out on social media as well as TOCPublicRelations.com. Let me tell you something you already know. Living a life in public service is a life of sacrifice, but you cannot serve the community or back your partner up if you're not physically able to do so. According to a report by the Wall Street Journal, more than 40% of law enforcement officers are obese. Other studies have found that police officers are 25% more likely to die from weight-related disorders like cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and even some cancers. Why continue to be a liability to your partners, your loved ones, your community, and yourself? Contact the folks at fit.responders and get your fight back. This episode is also brought to you by my new friends over at RTI Training, giving the type of training that incorporates humor and knowledge that cops respond to. Listen, we all know that you will never retain anything thanks to death by PowerPoint. So do yourself a favor and check out the new kids on the block when it comes to police training. They are revelationstraining.com. And guys, I also want to tell you about our sponsor, Jiu-Jitsu 5.0. They just came out with the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app. It is the ultimate training tool for all law enforcement. Members of the app get on-demand access to a huge library of techniques for the streets, grappling-based workouts, yoga, and a monthly nutrition plan. They also have 24-hour, 7-day-a-week access to Jason, the founder of Jiu-Jitsu 5.0, for personalized training assistance. So, go to the app store of your choosing and download the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app today. It's available for Android as well as Apple, so get on it now. 
And last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Thin Vine Wines. Thin Vine Wines is a mission-driven wine company that proudly backs first responders and the military. With a background in law enforcement, their support for police, dispatch, fire, and the military is unwavering. Thin Vine Wines donates $2 from every bottle sold to law enforcement and military-driven nonprofits. Making awesome wine is the vehicle. Making wine with a purpose is the mission. Check out their social medias at Thin Vine Wines on Instagram and Facebook and order online at thinvine.wine using the code 10-8-T-E-N, the number 8, for $10 off two or more bottles of wine. And as always, thank you to those sponsors for their support. They help keep the lights on, so everyone go check them out. Now back to the topic at hand. This week's episode specifically talks about marriage or long-term relationship success. In future installments, we're going to do a couple of these hard-to-love episodes. We're going to talk about the misadventures in dating, as well as being single, because all of those things are just as important. So, that being said, you'll probably get a lot of value if you are either married or in a long-term relationship, but I think you can also get um, some value if you are not married, not in a long-term relationship, or if you're not even a cop, this is stuff to look into. The first thing I want to say is that this is not clinical relationship advice. This is all anecdotal. These are no diagnoses, just conversations and just stories. So please, again, don't make it weird. Take it for what it is. So why am I doing this episode? Well, this topic has always been something that really interested me, and I find that there's great importance to it. I saw firsthand growing up the importance of having a strong family unit, and it's something that really matters a lot to me. Even in my own personal life, my own personal struggles and hurdles with mental health and beyond, my girlfriend has acted as an anchor. If we don't take care of all the legs on the table, the table will fall. You have to water your own grass. Now, we could talk about why the marriages fail, which is kind of what I alluded to, but we actually have in previous episodes. I actually implore you to go check out a few of the episodes where we talk about this, specifically episode 119, Four Letter Words with KP and DC of Fit Cops, as well as my good friend Stephanie from Project 109. And you can also check out episode 15, which is The Police Brain with Dr. Delery. Actually, any of the episodes with Dr. Delery is a good way to learn about how our brains work and... Um, kind of the inadequacies that they produce. And also, a few weeks ago, episode 307 with Dina Kale, we talk about all these different topics as well. And in a few weeks from today, episode 312 with Destiny Morris, we're going to talk about relationships again. All these episodes that I just mentioned, and a few more that I didn't name specifically, we'll talk about improving relationships one way or another. My point is this topic is important. And what you're going to see this episode is it a lot stems from communicating. You have to be open with your partner about your needs and wants regarding work-life balance, how to best handle life at home itself, how you decompress post-work. And I also want to say it all has a lot to do with how you know yourself and how you handle your own body. This topic is also very important and I feel like we've talked about that and how you handle your own thing, your own personal resilience repeatedly, but we don't talk about it specifically this episode. Uh, again, I mentioned it before, but go check out episode 15 with Dr. Delery, and you'll see that our brains, our pesky cop brains, have this yearning for adrenaline and it actually puts a, us in a precarious situation more times than not. And we're going to talk about that and how we behave and things like that in a few weeks when we talk to Destiny Morris, because it's important for us to understand 
Yes, sometimes we make bad decisions. And this is no way to gaslight the bad decision-making process and make it seem not as bad. It very well may be bad and compromise the health of our situations. But the why is always more important than the what. All that said, guys, today is a great conversation as we talk about healthy relationships that we want to come home to and that can build us stronger than we ever could imagine by ourselves. So here it is, Hard to Love with Jenna Romano, Amy and Bo here on the 10-8 Podcast. I am insensitive. I have a tendency to pay more attention to the things that I need. Sometimes I drink too much. Sometimes I test your trust. Sometimes I don't know why you stay with me. I'm hard to love, hard to love, oh, I don't make it easy. Well, I couldn't do it if I stood where you stood. I'm hard to love, hard to love, and you say that you need me. Well, I don't deserve it, but I love that you love me good. All right, here we go. We've got a whole slew of people here to talk and we're going to let me go through and introduce everybody real quick and we will just jump right into it. So my uh, de facto co-host for today's episode, we have the one and only Jenna Romano. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm honored. <laughs> no problem. And then our uh, guest today. So this is hard to love. This is the, the episode about relationships. So we grabbed people who were in a relationship. And so we have Amy and Bo. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Good. Thank you. Good. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So um, before we dive into everything, I'll let you guys introduce yourself. We'll start with, um, we'll start with Amy and Bo, and then we'll let Jenna introduce herself as well. Uh, so Amy, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do and all that good stuff. And we'll just kind of bounce around from there. Uh, my name is Amy. I live on the East coast of Florida. Um, I have been at my job, uh, about 16 and a half years. I am a records clerk for a law enforcement agency, uh, a pretty large one. And, uh, I've been married to my husband for 11 years almost. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I, uh, I actually started the agency and I didn't even know he existed. He's been at the agency longer than me. So we actually met outside of work and then realized we both worked for the same agency. And that's how oh, that's a really what? Big that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's gotta be a big agency then if you didn't even know you both existed in the same oh, agency. Yeah, that's pretty big. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, and Bo, go ahead. Uh, hi, my name is Bo. I am, um, I'm a sergeant with the same agency that Amy works for. I'm a patrol supervisor and I've been at the agency for 22 years now, just over 22 years. And uh, I work uh, patrol in a high call load area. And I also have a, um, a side business teaching on the side. I train law enforcement in uh, behavior analysis and a couple other things in the psychology behavior realm. And the touch base on what Amy said, yeah, we met at a, a birthday party of a coworker, but when I think back at it, if we didn't meet at that party, I'm fairly certain we still would not have met yet today. Wow. That that's that's insane. That's wild. I thought I worked for a big agency or I thought I did work for a big agency, but apparently not. It makes me think of like NYPD where there's like literal precincts that never see each other. So that's just that's crazy. Yeah. And then each precinct uh, up there seems like a whole town of people on it. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> like every precinct is basically its own department. Um 
And then, of course, we will uh, go ahead and have Jenna introduce herself as well. I don't know if we're going to cover that in a different part, but let's go ahead and get you out of the way. Okay. So, um, Jenna Romano, I am a psychotherapist. I've been working in the field for about 15 years. Um, First in child protection. I worked for um, a chunk of time at a jail as a mental health practitioner. Um, I taught at the collegiate level. So I've just been doing a lot of things. Within the last couple of years, I closed down my private practice. I opened a coaching business. And essentially, I have been focusing on high-stress careers um, and how to improve performance and stay healthy while working in high-stress careers. So I'm also at a... um, instructor at a local police academy here. So I, I teach anything from stress and coping skills to suicide prevention, to emotional awareness of emotional reactions to alcoholism as a disease. So I cover a bunch of different things. Um, I'm also a law enforcement spouse. So um, I think that that's why 10-8 really wanted me here. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm here today to be a peer. Right. So like, you know, just for any of the listeners, like we were just talking about before, this isn't like couples therapy of of any sort where I'm here as a peer to have, um, you know, just a, a dialogue about the stressors related to this career and how those stressors impact family members, too, because it right. does, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It, and, you know, I actually just took a class uh, put on by. Um, the International Police Chiefs Association, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about taking wellness home and um, in relations to our jobs. Because what we're told from the very beginning is keep work and life separate. And I think we started, I've started to realize that no, like your support group is at home. They need to know what you're going through. So that way they know how best to assist you. Because if you don't tell them, if you literally check your baggage at the door, then they're going to have no idea. And for me, um, that's in the past put strains on my relationship where, um, you know, I was battling demons and fights off duty from on duty and she was none the wiser and it, it put more strain because I was stressing on that and so on and so forth. Amy, yeah. though, have you seen that dynamic in the past? How, you know, how have, how have you dealt with stress from, work coming home how do you guys balance that um i think on the one hand i do kind of have an unfair advantage because i come from a family that has military members and law enforcement members and things like that most of the law enforcement and fire rescue side is retired Uh, my kid's sister was a firefighter for a little bit uh she just recently became a dispatcher so (laughs) Um, so i had a kind of peripheral idea of Schedules are not what you want. Holidays are not what you want. Um, The job is not what most normal people would consider a nine to five desk job. Even though my job is a desk job, there's a lot of interaction with the public that you are not prepared for as a regular day-to-day citizen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the things that people say to you on the phone or in person to your face are are not what most people would consider normal. And and you're on the receiving end of that. And then you kind of have to process and help the public, which is your main duty and responsibility. And then you kind of have to like separate that out. And then there's times where you're going to bring certain things home. And then there's always, you know, it's a public service agency and there's politics of the job and Mm -hmm. there's administrative staff to worry about. And there's rules and regulations and all these other things too, where it's not like, 
a different kind of job where a job is just a job, you kind of take things a little bit personally because you care enough to answer that calling and try to help people. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much of it you pull in and then you bring that home and your only sounding board for your level of normal is your spouse or your significant other. And that if your spouse isn't in the game as well, Mm -hmm. um, there's only certain things you can share. And, you know, there's a whole different level that I don't think people really realize until they get into the thick of it. And then by Mm -hmm. that point, if you don't know how to work it out, your relationships can definitely suffer. And not just with a spouse or significant other, your kids, your pets, your parents, your step parents, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Bo, what do you, what would you say on that? I, I agree. Exactly. I, I look at our dynamic though. Um, you know, in the past I've been, we've been married for a time, but there was a time in law enforcement where I, you know, we weren't together and I was dating or with people that were not in law enforcement and there's a different dynamic that now, you know, if I came home with the things that burden me on the job, you know, I, if you're dating someone not in law enforcement, it's easy just to kind of hold it back because you're like, listen, you're not going to get what I'm talking about. And I'm not one for just giving you the, um, what we call the ooh-ah version where they're like, oh, well, that's, you know, right, and yeah. I look at Amy, you know, she's dealing with some of the same issues on a different angle. And right. a lot of times they kind of hold back. I don't want to talk about some things because, you know, you don't want to double load somebody. Um, you know, they have her mine on there and I'm not a venter. Um, she's more of a venter. She'll, she'll come home and tell me about her day. And, you know, we do the bitching and complaining and and I hold a lot of that back because I I think about, you know, she's getting it from one angle, from her angle. It's, and I'm getting it from another angle. She reads about it. I'm kind of ringside for it. And I don't, you know, I'm, I, I find myself holding back probably more than I would. Um, just because I see the double vent, you know, I don't want to dump two loads on, on somebody. And I guess I'm a more internalized person. So I almost find myself less likely to probably open up about my day just because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely I felt that way in the past as well. Um, I before I was in my position now, I was on the road and my girlfriend is and was a dispatcher. And same thing. We would get together. We, you know, we didn't live together. We were doing the long distance thing for a few years and we would get together. And the last thing I wanted to do was to start talking about some stuff that was bothering me at work. But literally while we were together, I was having flashbacks of whatever, you know, traumatic call I had experienced the night before, whatever it might be. So the same thing that you're saying, Bo, like I didn't want to put that burden on what should be a pleasant time. And now that we live together and we both do the same job for separate agencies, um, same thing. Like I've, I've gotten much more comfortable with telling her about my stories and, you know, what I'm going through because now, you know, she kind of understood it when I was on the road, but now that I'm in the dispatch center, she really understands what I'm doing. And it's definitely kind of leveled out that playing field a lot. And it's gotten me um, a lot of stress out that way. But even there's some days where I'm just like, same thing. I don't want to burden her with the stress that I'm dealing with. Now it's our turn, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) Let's flip the script. Let me, Amy, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Have you ever felt burdened by anything that Bo has come home and discussed with you? Have you ever felt like, have you ever felt like this is stressing me out more? 
No, okay. I, I am definitely the one that gets more stressed out. Um, he, I don't know what genetics he has. He, if there's something bothering him, don't ever play poker against that man. Well, uh, look at his face. Ever. I can't read him. Uh-huh, you, will lose, uh-huh. you will lose the house. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want him to be my supervisor. I, wouldn't be I have never heard him. this man yell or raise his voice. That's my job. I'm good at it. Um, okay. And I'm not Italian like y'all are. Um, <laughs> um, but definitely, I know he's excellent at holding things in. Do I think that's the healthiest thing? No. Um, but also, I understand that there's an aspect of his job. There's an aspect of my job where there are confidentiality issues. There are certain mm-hmm. things where if one of his guys or gals really screws the pooch on a call. He can't give me names. He can't give me this. What if it's a pending internal affairs? What if it's a this? What if it's a that? So he's got to keep a lot of stuff in his office at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other times he'll come home and be like, let me tell you about this crazy homeless guy I met today. Mm-hmm. His name is blah, blah, blah. And he told me about this alien blah, blah, blah. And he, and he starts telling about all his interactions with his favorite, his favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a lot. They seem to be drawn to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think there's a, a, a different where I, I'm fine with him venting to me or uh, unburdening on me because that's what I signed up for. That's mm-hmm. till death do us part and all the garbage in between. <laughs> and yeah. in any relationship, law enforcement, military or not, there's a lot of garbage you got to deal with as a couple. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what your religion is or what your culture is or anything else like that. If you are in a relationship with somebody, there's a lot of sounding board that you don't quite realize until you're in the thick of it. So Mm -hmm. um, he definitely is better at keeping things in. uh, And I am definitely better at expressing myself that that could be a gender thing. That could be the way we were raised. um, Sure. Could be a combination of those, but all those things play a factor. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But I think that it really comes down to like, how does that, bend and mold work together right like the yin versus the yang like how Mm -hmm. do those things um happen to make the relationship functional and Mm -hmm. and happy really Mm -hmm. right I mean I can say personally that I have never had my husband come home share anything that happened at work and feel like I don't want to talk about this Mm -hmm. I've never thought that in my mind yeah in I've fact, never, as I've never a, had that happen. <laughs> in fact, as a spouse, I'll tell you what, when my husband does share things with me mm-hmm. and, you know, it can be under the guise of, let me tell you what happened today. But really mm-hmm. he's like informally debriefing with me. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might not even be as like, this stressed me out. It might just be like, let me tell you a story. Mm-hmm. Um, when he does that, I actually feel privileged in the sense of like, he cares mm-hmm. about my input and what I have to say about this. Mm-hmm. He's actually, he, I'm, I'm an equal. Yeah. Even though yeah. I'm not law enforcement, I'm an equal right now. Yeah. And there's a level of trust there too, where it's like, okay, you're coming to me with this. The names have cha- been changed to protect the not so innocent. Right. Or something like that. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, when, when you come to your spouse with that, even if it's just venting to get it off your chest or it, you're trusting me to carry the burden with you and not carry it by yourself. I signed up to be a team, mm-hmm. not to have you do all the work and suffer all the consequences alone. That's that's yeah. not a partnership. Now, that's, not a now marriage, me, that's not a relationship. 
let me throw this one out here. So yeah. we, we come in, we're, we're dropping, you know, the baggage off, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I don't know, you know, how, you know, Bo was saying that sometimes he doesn't, but like, I will definitely either hold back or maybe like smooth the edges of maybe something that's pretty horrendous or something really mm-hmm. bad. And we're like, not even, I mean, sometimes even to the point of like, oh, it didn't affect me that bad. But let's say, mm-hmm. let's just say we hit you with something heavy. Mm-hmm. Then we have to worry about any vicarious trauma that may come from it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, dealing with a, a gruesome death or, you know, something like that or traumatic mm-hmm. child call or something like that. And then now we have to worry about, you know, yes, the burden but literally the impact that comes from that burden, you know, cause I mean, obviously it's affecting us. Now you're getting it kind of secondhand. Sure. How has that affected you and how, what can we do to like mitigate that? So that way it's not, um, you know, not causing more trauma to you as well. So that way, you know, it kind of, one of the reasons why I don't open up about these things as much is because I don't want to add that burden of the secondary mm-hmm. trauma. So, you know, how does it impact you and how can we mitigate that whole factor? For me or Bo? Both. <laughs> for, okay. Everybody, all three. Bo, you want to go first? There, there's, there's a lot right there that I'm, that I'm thinking about right now. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's, I, you know, I, when I talk with other law enforcement and, and I'm sure it's, people in this room can kind of get it. If I went to a civilian and recapped the, the not so nice parts of my whole career, I would be very uncomfortable around that person wondering if they looked at me like, how are you normal? Like, <laughs> how does someone go through that and not be completely basket case? Because, you know, I'm not going to say that I've never had the PTSD moment. I'm not going to say that I've spent quite a few hours in the counselor's office trying to get, you know, past certain things that, you know, broke midway in my head. And now you're trying to get them out. You know, I think, you know, I, I have a, a degree in psychology, so I know the, the value of that, you know, versus the normal police you know, the normal law enforcement. No, we don't talk about that. You know, I have a switch and I can turn everything off. And for a while, I thought I really had a switch until later on in my career. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's not the, it, it's the burdening part that I worry about. But also, too, I, you know, when I'm when I'm done with it, the last thing I want to do is recant the horrors mm-hmm. that I've gone to work mm-hmm. at home. I want home to be as far from that mindset as possible. Now, it's not always possible. But to be honest, I've got to a point in my career to where uh, we have a take-home vehicle that we can drive anywhere we want, throw the family in there. Uh, you've you got to catch me on a very special day before I take that patrol car out of the, uh, out of the driveway. I don't mm-hmm. want any part of that seeping into my, my off life. And, you know, the, the, the darker things that I've done, now the funny things are okay. You know, I mean, mental people with mental illness are drawn to me. I don't know if they sense their own. I don't know, but um <laughs> I, I'm really good at dealing with the mentally ill and I I work in an area where a lot of halfway houses where, you know, they live and they work and they, they're around and I become friends, friends with a lot of them. I'm their mayor. I mean, they, they come, they come to the station when I, the days I'm working for me to deal with them. And, you know, it become like a running joke in the house, but also at work. They're like, Oh, look at this one. Get, you know, get me over here so I can deal with them. But I'm okay with that because I enjoy that, that aspect of it. And I've always been fascinated with that, with that type of people, but the funny aspects that come along with that are okay. But you know, the darker things I want to leave at home. It's, it's not always to burn, not burden you. It's not burden me. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the house. This is the home. I got enough to deal with there. I don't want to deal with that. Sure. Um, 
Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense about wanting to keep the two separate in that regard, right? Like it's not out of a um, structured thing like, okay, we're going to keep this separate. It's literally keeping me sane by not talking about it around the clock. And I definitely right. understand that too. There's definitely, I think a lot of people when they have bad days, they just, you know, that was a bad 12 hour shift and I just don't want to deal with it again. And, you know, that's perfectly healthy as well. I just think, um, I think you made a lot of good points with that for sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and making the point that you want your home to be your safe haven, really, you know, because there's a lot that you can't control when you're working. There's a lot that you can control when you aren't working. Mm-hmm. And if one of those things is making sure that you're safe and that you're comfortable and that you your mind can literally be at ease, uh, then I think that that's extremely important as well. Yeah. yeah. And I, I will, I'll add on to that, that um, there, there's not always a separation between work and home because it's very hard not to bring that kind of work home. Um, it's, it's a different kind of thing. Um, every job has stressors. We all have a bad boss we didn't like, or a bad supervision or a coworker that was more of a co-worker than a worker. Um, I like that one. With- <laughs> yeah, I did. Use that. It's not trademark. Go ahead and steal it. It's fine. Make a meme out of it. I want to see it. I'm on it. Every single human being who's ever worked a job has that and does bring some of it home. Um, mm-hmm. I think in like law enforcement and fire rescue, military, um, certain jobs like that, there's an extra burden because you don't, most people don't sign up for that as a job. Mm-hmm. They genuinely get into it because they're trying to help people um psychologists psychiatrists people who do social work like you have answered a calling to help people and it's a it's a different level it's not better or worse it's just a different level and there's a a different there's a different kind of brain function there's a different kind of heart function that comes with that whereas my first job was working at Kmart like I (laughs) all I had to do was beep 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 Mm -hmm. bring people out and send them on their way I didn't I didn't care. Not that I didn't care because I showed up on time. I did my job, but it's a different level when you're trying to help the public and trying to get them to understand what they see or hear on TV or on the internet and all that other stuff is not the reality of the situation. And then you're trying to fight those two forces and then you bring it home. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we're both lucky that we work for the same type of thing. We just work in different avenues of it. Um, but for the spouses out there that, aren't in um, and married in or the, you know, in the relationship and they're not married yet. Um, it's definitely a, a wake up call. I, I have friends that their spouse is in law enforcement and they are a civilian, like a full civilian, like they do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I notice the stress level with them is a lot higher. Yeah. They, do you think, it, the, do you think the stress level is higher because they just don't understand the culture and things that go with that? That, and I think that, um, especially in today's climate, like I, uh, glancing at the room here, I'm guessing that we all kind of came up in like when the internet was just starting to take off. Mm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Today's spouses and stuff, especially the ones that are just getting married, just getting into these serious relationships and stuff, social media has been their whole life. Yeah. So what they see and hear and feel is a different dynamic than us. And the processing is a whole lot different. So you have these new spouses or these new relationships and it's my husband, my hero. And I pray morning, noon and night, every time he puts on his vest and everything. And I'm sitting there going, he was a cop before I ever met him. Um, If he doesn't have the training by now, there's nothing I can do to help him. 
yeah. which sounds, which has also lost me some friends because I'm like, you are going to stress yourself into a heart attack. Um, but at the same point. time That's too, I try point. to give people a dose of reality. This is not all, you know, rose colored glasses and, and champagne and caviar dreams. This is, this is going to be a relationship where both parties have to bring their A game. Sure. And then also understand that when you're not bringing your A game, you need time alone, decompression, that sort of yeah. thing too. But don't make the job your entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have, and I'm not knocking anybody who does, I don't have my husband, my hero hanging in my dining room. I don't have <laughs> live, laugh, love hanging in my dining room. Um, the marked car is parked in the driveway. The duty gear is shoved in his closet. There is nothing in our household that is thin blue line or anything else like that. I am not knocking anybody that has that. Be supportive of your spouse. Be supportive of their work and the the work that they're trying to do to make the world a better place. Um, But understand your home is your castle and the dynamic has to, there has to be a separation. Mm -hmm. Like there's a separation of church and state. There's a separation of the calling and the career and the job and being an actual human being. Um, and being yourself, your relationship, your family, your friends, and, and definitely have friends outside of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Definitely have that dynamic where you can't share everything about the job with them, but you can talk about other things that have nothing to do with the job and have some sense of normalcy because the work that anybody in law enforcement or fire rescue does is not normal by any stretch of the imagination. Um, human beings prove every day that there's no such thing as normal. <laughs> absolutely. No, normal is just a setting on the washing machine. Yeah. Um, and even then it doesn't work. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Bo, you've been in the career for quite some time now. What in in your time, the Amy brought up a great point with the whole social media thing. Having social media and having smartphones and video cameras in our hands at all times that is obvious. You know, I've talked to plenty of officers who have said that that has impacted the way they do their job a little bit one way or another, or at least that now there's more repercussions and so on and so forth. Has that made socialization with non-law enforcement individuals difficult? Like for me, uh, you know, I grew up in, in New Jersey and like Amy said, as social media, before social media was even a thing. And then as things kind of went on, you know, people decided that they need to share their opinion at every waking moment. Um, And I had, it's been difficult making and keeping friendships outside of law enforcement um, because either the way the media slanted things, what they see on social media, things like that. So, you know, to go to Amy's point about have friends outside the job, have you found it difficult? I mean, obviously I'm sure you've had friends for the same for a significant amount of time, but have you seen that change be any different or difficult? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, the social media thing, I, when you look at just the nature of social media, you, you get everyone's first, you get everyone's opinion, or you also get everyone's experience. And I think a lot of people, they have vicarious experiences on social media. Mm-hmm. They're looking at someone else's video and they're, they're gaining whatever came from that video as molding their own opinion on, on law enforcement. And you don't get the everyday stuff. You don't get all the good stuff that we do. You get the fights. You get the good. I mean, most of the time you get the bad. If it's on social media, chances are it's either funny or one of our blunders that didn't look that great um, on on media. You don't get the, hey, look, you know, we found a we found a small child and we carried him home to his mom and all that. Right. Doesn't make social media. And if it does, it's a blip. No one cares because you know 
well, that's your job. What the hell? Um, yeah. But I look at it as a lot of it is, you know, people get a different opinion on what we do. And, you know, not saying the stuff on social media doesn't happen, but that's such a, that's a, that's 10, 10% of my job. I feel I really earn my pay. The rest mm-hmm. of it, I'm just surprised they're paying me for this. You know, I'm sitting around right. like, pay for this. That 10%, you're like, ooh, now I see why they do. Um, right. They only get a small part of that 10%. And most of it's the stuff that make us look bad or make, you know, it looks super exciting and they have a different perspective of it. So, yeah, social media, I think, has just people think they have more of an insight into our career than they than they really do. Mm-hmm. Um, they have an inaccurate insight and it drives them toward one opinion or the other. And with the right. social media. Yep. Sorry, I know. And I was just going to say, like, that was that's the issue for me, because I'm thinking about it as we're all talking. I'm like, crap, all of my friends are related one way or another in law enforcement. And it's like I'm trying to think of my friends that are not law enforcement. And I'm like, they're few and far between, like people I grew up with that I may talk to once in a blue moon. And even then, those conversations always go back to. So how's work going? And it's like. You know, then it gets you're you're kind of treading that line. Like, do I really tell you how work is? Do I say, oh, it's just fine? Then what are we going to talk about? So yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's it's an interesting dichotomy for sure. And then you have the uh, the friends that like to share their opinions and their experiences with uh, first responders of every vein. Uh, some of them have been on the receiving end of. Uh, people I went to high school with have been on the receiving end of our uh, corrections facilities and things like that. So Mm -hmm. um, it's a very interesting dynamic to catch up with them years later and, oh, you work for the cops now? And then the conversation, I try to keep it level and everything. Yeah, I I have excellent coworkers and blah, 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 and everything else like that. And then they want to dive into the their negative experience. And I understand that people do have negative experiences. And I do understand that not everybody who answers this calling is really good at their job. Every job has a coworker instead of a coworker that sometimes flubs and makes the rest of us look super duper bad. And it's kind of hard to undo that. You can't fill the hole back in once it's been dug. Um, It it doesn't work. So what I try to do is understand that I still have to represent myself as a human being. I still have to represent my family, my spouse, my kids, how I was raised. That's a whole different dynamic. Then I have to represent uh, my agency because if somebody ever finds out what it, like, I don't care if they find out what agency I work for, but if somebody ever finds out, I don't want them coming out at my coworkers or taking it out on some, another coworker who's never met me. Cause like I said, we work for a large agency. I've had people come in and they're upset about, some interaction with a deputy all the way across our county. Like we don't <laughs> never met the dude. Like, sorry. <laughs> like, did you call to make a formal complaint? Did you no, I just I blah blah blah. Okay, well, and they want your personal opinion on that person that you've never met. I'm like, I can't help you with that. Right. And your, then I, your I opinion feel like is valid, but I can't help you with your opinion. I I can direct you to the person you need to talk to. That's <laughs> The extent of my ability. Right. And I feel like this juxtaposition makes it difficult for you to have non cop yeah. friends, even as couples, right? Like yeah. like cop couples hang out with cop couples and that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. And it's it's difficult because then you know you get together at a barbecue and eighty percent of the time you're talking about this call, this supervisor, this. And mm-hmm. I mean, Jenna, I mean you you kind of understand it as well. Have you seen that or have you been able to kind of pull away from you know the cop spouse 
echo chamber or or you know is that kind of where where you guys are stuck too not stuck yeah. stuck is stuck is a little negative but you know what i mean yeah no absolutely i mean cuz that's what i was thinking about too when Amy was talking you know before it's like yeah you want to on one hand you want to have pride in the work that you do and that the work that your husband does but you don't want it to consume you and be your mm-hmm. everything right mm-hmm. because we can get resentful really quick about that right mm-hmm. i give I, I give a lot for a job that I don't even work, you know? Um, so, um, and maintaining a healthy identity outside of the uniform, so to speak. So we're saying how important that is, but then we're talking about the stressors that are associated with it too, right? Like, you know, earlier Bo was even saying like, when I have certain discussions, I'm afraid to reveal certain things to people because, either they're going to look at me like, how am I normal after experiencing that? Or based upon the way that you're telling the story, they're going to look at you like you're callous or, you know, like, like you're cynical, right. Or they may not understand the dark humor. They may not understand these certain things. Right. Sure. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have first responders built into my family. My brother's a fire battalion chief. My brother-in-law's law enforcement two sister-in-laws are nurses that work ER. So I'm the therapist, right? So it's easy (laughs) for us. Thanksgiving's got to be crazy at your house. (laughs) You should see the dinner table, right? Like, I mean, when we're we're actually all there, Mm -hmm. who's not working? Right, who's not called out, yeah. Yeah. So like, so I think that for us to have that small circle is really, really helpful. But I, I would just say, quality over quantity. That's what I found in the last few Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Um, because I have had people that I've had what I felt was a close relationship and seeing some of the expressions that they've had or the opinions that they've had, um, and not really understanding how that impacts me on a personal level. Mm-hmm. that I do take some of those things personally. Mm-hmm, um, sure. And then I have to look in, right? Like, am I taking this too personally? Or like, mm-hmm. this is my family. This is how we live our life. I don't mm-hmm. get to, there are certain things that I can't pick and choose. Right. So um, I've really had to scale back sometimes. Sure. And kind of so, keep that guard up. <laughs> so Bo, when you meet someone new for the first time off duty, you know, wherever it might be, this you say, hi, my name's Bo. I am a... What, what do you say you're a police officer or do you give some other kind of bogus job description? Um, well, no, I will, I will throw out law enforcement, but okay. what I do after that is I more, um, steer the conversation toward my side job. So I company, so I can talk about that. Then I can, you know, I can still throw in law enforcement. Hey, you know, I'm working law enforcement, but I train law enforcement and I can go into the classes and of course it's, you know, the behavior psychology stuff. So everyone's like, Oh, cool. What is that, that about? That's more of a magnet. Yeah, people will grab on that. Sure. Yeah, so it's easy for me to shift, be completely honest and open, so it doesn't look like I'm hiding it, but completely shift it over to something that is more comfortable for me to talk about. I'm a little more excited about it, because hopefully in three years, I can retire and do this full time. And Sure, yeah. Uh, I think I, I, I could, I'm pretty sure I could do that right now. Uh-huh. So... Um, yeah. So when I first got hired, I was a civilian and I, I remember this clear as day, me and my buddy went out to the bar and uh, we were in between, we were on like a night to day. So we were just a little bit of break and we're there and we walked in like, Hey, let's not tell anybody that we work for the police department. Just don't bring it up. It's fine. Literally the second person he saw. So yeah, we work for the police department. I was like, man, why? 
but then after Never that, show became, them all your cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So then for me, uh, for a long time, it was, you know, I, I work for the city. Oh, what do you do for the city? Oh, odds and end things, whatever. Like I tried to keep it. And then it just got so silly doing that. I was like, fine, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say it. If it bothers them, then we'll just move on from there whatever. Um, but yeah, it kind of, I really liked what Jenna was saying about quality over quantity, mm-hmm. um, you know, keeping your circle tight. And, you know, if they're work friends, they're work friends, but you don't have to always talk about work. Like I think about, I was trying to think when Jenna was talking about like bankers, right. Or like insurance brokers, like they all get together, they have their cocktail parties and blah, blah, blah. And you know, they're talking about what happened in the third quarter and you know, who's not up for a promotion. It happens, I think in any career field. Right. And then you get, you know, the step for wives and all the things that go along with those career fields. It's almost it's weird. And I'm bringing this up specifically because Jenna and I from New- are from New Jersey, Italians from New Jersey, but it almost has like a, like a mob mentality, right? <laughs> like only mob families kind of get together, yeah. the mob wives and things like that. I mean, obviously the husbands do a little bit different work, but it's kind of that same thing. And when we, we went to a, a law enforcement funeral together and, you know, we, we went to this funeral and that's what it felt like. Like all the cops were tight around each other and, and the wives were all dressed the same and talking the same. And, you know, it's, it literally is, you know, that it, it's that same kind of idea. Like it, this is this bond, this unspoken bond between, and, and the wives were not cops. The wives were, you know, teachers, nurses, whatever they might be but it was just like this automatic cohesion that kept us all together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just, it's very interesting seeing that play out and in, in front of you. And mm-hmm. while I was dealing with everything I was dealing with at the event, I was also like being a sociologist at the same time, like, Oh, look at them doing that. Like, I felt <laughs> like I was like an anthropologist, like taking notes and everything, but it's, it's very interesting to see, how these families and this dynamic and and like like you said uh earlier amy about like it's not just wives and and girlfriends or boyfriends or husbands it's it's you know your parents your your kids things like that like Mm -hmm. it all kind of starts going together Mm -hmm. i want to piggyback off that a little bit i think Mm -hmm. that like a big theme behind that is trust Mm -hmm. um and i think that there's like kind of a two-prong to that i think number one you're working in a very high trauma environment. I'm not going to say everybody's walking around traumatized with PTSD, right? There are people who do develop PTSD. There are people who don't. Um, But the high amounts of critical incidents, the high amounts of, you know, being in positions where your safety is compromised, other people's safety is compromised. um, Trust is a really important factor. My husband was um, street crimes, for a while, he really excelled in street crimes because he wants to give me gray hair, apparently. Um, <laughs> but that's really where he excelled. So he was a jump out boy. My point being that, you know, or or even times where it's like, don't get, you know, I'm at the hospital, but everything's OK. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like what? And then my my brother on the fire radio. Oh, you know, I just heard that Nick's doing X, Y, Z. And I'm like. I'm here watching Netflix. Like what's going on? You know? Um, right. Right. He's telling me not to worry, but don't worry. But you know, um, my point being though, that the people that he worked with, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, two, 10, eight, like 
when he worked with those people in street crimes, I had to rely on them as a wife. Like you have to pass my approval too, because Mm -hmm. my husband's safety is in your hands when you're out there and you're working with him Mm -hmm. doing all of these, you know, high risk type of events, if you will. So like I had to know them in and out. He had to know them in and out Um, for me to feel comfortable in knowing like you were saying, Amy, he's been doing this for how many years? If he doesn't have it, he doesn't have it. Right. <laughs> like I had to be able to sit back and be like me worrying ain't going to do shit. It's mm-hmm. not going to keep him safe. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be, do anything productive. So I had to have, you know, high levels of trust for those people that he was working with to be able to say, like, I feel good about knowing that he's coming home later, you mm-hmm. know? Um, Definitely. so I think that trust is a really important factor. And then that, bleeds into our other relationships, so to speak, you know, for better lack of terms. So then trust becomes important in other aspects of life. It's like comparatively speaking, if, if we have a bond with these people and we work so cohesive or he works so cohesive with them, like I'm going to expect certain things out of my personal relationships too. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say so. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when I worked for a, for my one of my first squads and we, um, you know, I didn't really know anyone too well. I was a new guy. And then we had a Christmas party and I got to meet their spouses, their significant others, their kids, whatever were there. Definitely made the person three dimensional. And at the same time, like if I were to need to rely on them in the future, you know, if there was, there was a trust level there. Whereas like, they become three-dimensional. So like, you're right. I I think that's accurate. And I think it's, it's right to rely on that as well. What what do you, what do you guys think about that? And like relying on the interpersonal relationships as well? I think, um, you know, I, I, I like what you're saying. I think, you know, a lot of it just comes down to drawing out what you need from the relationship and making sure you communicate it. You know, if you, you know, if you got to keep your mouth shut about what you see every day, that's fine. Just make sure the other person's aware this is what you're doing. Um, establish the dynamics of what you need because they're, like I said, it is a give and take and sometimes more take than give, um, depending on the situation. And, um, you know, everyone needs to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. If not, then there's what's wrong with that person. And then you get that, those divides. So, you know, everyone says communication, but in this one, I, I think it's even more important that, you know, Communication, but almost with like a set boundary as well. Well, yeah, I think that's part of it. Yeah, you got to set the boundaries. Hey, mm-hmm. this is what I'm this. This is as far as I'm going to go talking about this. And, you know, when we go out places and there's the other relationships, there's the outside relationships. This is the comfort levels. This is the no go zones. And, you know, that yeah. we have. Then there's all this because, you know, I, you know, you, you think about when you go out amongst the civilian types that when someone and, and this is this is my thing. If someone ever says to me. Oh, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? Yeah. If that's coming from someone not in law, I think someone in the in the biz would know not to say that. But the person sitting next to me needs to know I'm not going to take that. I'm probably just going to get a walk up and leave and be like, you know, I'm, I'm probably just going to avoid that and walk off depending on where I am. Yeah. Or, you know, because they certainly don't want to know. They may think they want to know, but they sure. don't want to. Right. And well, what makes you think I want to recall that? Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> like being don't. you, I'm, I'm assuming. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, 
and we all know that people, you know, they're and, and they're probably doing it innocently just for the ooh-ah factor. Um, but, you know, I think just everyone needs to know everyone's boundaries in the relationship Absolutely. and how you're going to, what you want in social environments versus the other relationships versus the work, high, you know, the work relationship. And if you establish those, there's no questions. Everything yeah. seems to be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. agree completely. And, you know, when I, when we go out, you know, even though we both work in the, in the business and whichever never, you know, it's when we go to Hobby Lobby, we are, we are just her and I going to Hobby Lobby. We're not a cop and a dispatcher, a dispatcher, a dispatcher going to hobby. You know what I mean? Like right. normal life exists, you know? Yeah. And I think that's great. It's typically those couple hours, those buffer hours between shifts. That's typically where the bullshitting and the, and the <laughs> bitching come out, but then it dissolves and then life goes back to normal or even the, the beauty of cell phones. Right. Cause like I can text her and be like, man, that call really fucked me up or whatever it might be kind of go through that real quick and then we're on to to the other thing which is great because then we're not stuck in it we don't have to like that doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be our whole thing and i think that's great yeah amy and boat have has the job and and just department well i guess the department problem wouldn't be too bad because you guys don't really interact you know all these years later still wouldn't have run into each other if you weren't married Mm -hmm. but has the job ever put such a substantial riff between you guys that it was like troublesome at home as well and then if so how did you overcome that or if not if someone was how would they overcome that um i wouldn't say it's a substantial riff but like we were talking about before i am definitely more of the venter and he is more of the separate everything out and everything so um there were a couple of years where um the job was really getting to me um i'm I've been there a long time. I'm pretty good at my job. I know what I'm doing. Um, and I had a lot of frustrations with, let's just say, co-workers and also admin staff doing what admin staff does. So <laughs> once in a while, they see through it. And other times, maybe they're busy doing admin staff stuff. I don't know. but um, <laughs> So I would come home and vent to him a lot. And my job is not difficult. I am a glorified paperwork shuffler. That's what I do. That's the basics of my job. I have to do it within rules and regulations and everything. He sees all of what I see in print firsthand with his own eyeballs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He can smell it. He can taste it. Like it's hands-on for him. I'm after the fact. So I'm reading some of these reports and not just for his squad, but for all these other squads and this day-to-day interaction with the public, which is horrifying. Some of this stuff. It's more than, it's worse than what you're reading. Yeah. And then I have kind of a visual mind too. And I have been on ride-alongs back in the early part of my career where I wanted to learn more about all of the different aspects of the job and things like that. So, and, you know, of course, to unwind, I'm one of those people that listens to like true crime podcasts about serial killers Mm -hmm. and all this stuff because, you know. Right. Because life is a little too stressful. Let's yeah, life talk is, about Jeffrey Life's Donner. not stressful enough. Yeah. Let me help yeah. myself to look for red flags and think that there is a boogeyman hiding behind every corner and, you know, everybody's out to get us. Bo can tell you that's probably true. And, well, <laughs> in his district. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they all call him the mayor. Yes. Uh, they and and it's not just at work. I don't know if he's been blessed with some sort of divine magnetism, but they find him. <laughs> we can be out and 
all of a sudden there will be someone who looks like they're having some sort of episode. And I, I am not knocking these people at all. Like if, if you're born with that or life has handed you a series of chemical imbalances or stressors or PTSD or um, being a human being on this planet is not easy. And we as human beings don't make it easy on other human beings. Um, so, but when we're out and about and stuff too, he'll be like three o'clock. <laughs> And where are the girls? I'm like, they're right by me. He's like, okay, keep them right by you. <laughs> and he will usually go and depending on what the vibe is and everything else like that, sometimes he will engage them in a conversation. Other times he will be like, we can go in and we can go. He goes, but I'm going to keep an eye in case we need to make a phone call. It depends, but he can pick them out of a crowd like that. I He's taught me how to be able to read a room and pick things out of a crowd and certain things like that. So I'm much more aware of my surroundings than I ever was in my teens and 20s. How I survived, I don't know, because I was oblivious <laughs> for a long time. But um, uh, I'm definitely more aware now that I'm a mom. Uh, I'm definitely more aware, um, especially now that social media has made a lot of people extremely bold and want to be real famous on the internet real darn quick. So, but like when we're out and about the, the crazy people, I'll find him. <laughs> um, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Um, at least it's him they're finding and not someone who reacts or overreacts or hyperreacts and, or doesn't know how to react at the same time too. It's another kind of burden that he's, mm -hmm. you know. Right, yeah. right. When you're That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, when yeah. you're having family time and then, you know, the you're always working. magnet comes in. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and our kids are younger where they notice things. There's a lot of questions at the age they're at now. Same. And we're not the kind of parents that sugarcoat anything. We'll be like, that person is having an issue and they definitely need help. There have been times where I've been off duty. The girls and I are out and about and we will be going through his, he, he works in a pretty big district and there's a lot of stuff to do in his district. So once in a while we'll drop in and be like, can you meet us for lunch? It doesn't happen very often, but once in a while he's lucky enough to break for lunch and um, we'll be out and about. And some of his regulars um, recognize him. And then they realize that we are <laughs> a family group and everything. And some mm -hmm. of them want to come up and say hi. And some of them do keep their distance uh, depends on the day, but um, our kids have met some of his subjects, <laughs> some of his customers. Yeah. <laughs> some of um, his frequent flyers. Yeah. So all, all these things, you know, you were saying about how, you know, things kind of impact your job and his job, but how would you guys, how would you say you guys kind of overcame any issues you would have had? Uh, would you say it's just the communication or would you, there's, there's more to it as well. I think the communication is, is, is the best part of it. Um, I, you know, I, I don't really know how, I mean, I know there's been certain rifts at certain times. I think I I've sensed that sometimes that she, especially in the beginning, maybe wanted me to say more, um, talk more. And there was a rift about why aren't you saying it? Um, and I really didn't get it because I'm not the kind that has to barge in the front door and say, guess what happened today? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe earlier in my career, that might've been something I might've done. I probably did do it earlier in my career when things were more new, when thing was a, a new experience, but now it's not anymore. So, you know, she's met me at a time where I'm perfectly happy not saying a word. And I think that there's sometimes that she, that's caused a riff either inadvertently or maybe inadvertently just because of the, well, what are you hiding? 
and not, you know, just, or what are you not to, what do you think I can't handle? So, you know, we talked about that before too, that, you know, and, and I think that's how you just solve a rift. Like, I don't want to come home. If I come home and say something, it's probably funny. If I come home and say something that's not so, not so funny, you know, maybe I want to talk about it, but I'm not really the type that feels the need to come home and say, you know, I saw this really horrible thing today and, and want to vent to it. I'm not that now, type. Now, Bo, what about the flip side? Right. So when, and Jenna, maybe you can do it. You can respond to this as well, but let's say she's having a bad day at work. Right. And you had a bad day at work, but now she is the unloading type. She wants to unload to you. How do you, how does that make you feel? Do you feel like, all right, I don't have the mental capacity left. Like I feel like a, a computer whose CPU is at a hundred percent. I just can't handle this right now. Or are you able to kind of dial that back and still be able to listen and, and process what's going on there? Uh, well, Frequently, she does come home to vent, you know, a right. lot about her day. And is it I, ever I, overwhelming to you, or sometimes? Mm-hmm. But I can—I don't want to say tune her out because <laughs> because she's listening. Well, be careful! <laughs> be careful! You can process it in an effective way. Well, yeah. Well, you know, I know sometimes it's not that I have to engage too much in the conversation. People just need to vent, and that's what it is. So, mm. you know, um, and, and I. I, I I can listen to things. I listen to things all day. I mean, people come to me and say things all day that I'm like, am I really wanting them to? No. Do I have to? Yeah, sure. You know, am I okay with it? You know, yeah. Right. I mean, am I really a playable character in this conversation or can I just go on autopilot for a few? Well, and some, and you know, when people want to vent really how much, exactly how much of a playable character am I here? Cause she's not asking my advice on things. Sometimes she just wants to vent about the, the events of the day and I get it. You know, there's certain times I'll come home and vent about, you know, things going on more, you know, political administrative stuff. But um, I have to put in, I'm very jealous of your experience at Hobby Lobby because you said, you know, you go out with the, the wife and it's a nice day off. I, if not to mention names, but if someone that I'm with goes to Hobby Lobby with me, I'm looking at my life savings potentially being gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm kind of jealous. It's a relaxing day for you. It's not so much on this side. <laughs> Luckily, nine times out of 10, if we're going to Hobby Lobby, it's to help make some of these merch things. So they tend to pay for themselves. So that's usually okay. Um, <laughs> but Jenna, in, in your experience, when you vent to your significant other, do you ever feel like you need more from him? Because I feel like a lot of times when we are in this law enforcement realm and now it's like, all right, we're going home and now, oh, great. I got to make more decisions. I got to fix more problems or whatever. Sometimes even the idea of figuring out what's for dinner is too much. Yes. So how have you felt it on in your relationship? Um, I think that we've gotten really good at it. I, I'm, I'm the mentor stereotypically my husband is not the venter mm-hmm. um so i've been very in tune to knowing what his needs are sometimes you know like before bo was saying like one of his biggest things is know what you need and ask for it and i say this all the time in the police academy when i'm instructing it's very hard to know what your needs are when you're working in this altruistic field where what's asking you what you need. You're asking everybody else what they need. So coming back and checking in with yourself and being able to say, what, how am I doing? Number one. And what do I need? Number two. So like, there are some days where like my husband will come home and he'll be in the bathroom for a half an hour. I know that boy's not going to the bathroom. You know, I know that he's unwinding and he didn't stop to say to me, don't talk to me yet. I can't process anything else. But I've just learned to read him. 
you know? Mm -hmm. So instead of knocking on the door, like, what do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? I know that that's like, I can just kind of read him to be able to say like, this is what kind of day we're working with. And then like, as a spouse, it's really, it's great to read them. But then also like coming back to like, when you all work, your needs come second. And sometimes at home, we feel like our needs come second because we're trying to put you first because your needs come second all day long, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Right. So it's kind of like this ripple effect. Mm -hmm. So um, even as a spouse, being able to say like, if I need to vent, being able to say like, A, I'm either looking for a solution or B, I'm just like looking for a sounding board. So coming back to like, you know, when Bo was saying like, know what you need. So I start, I, I, I start that way, right? Like I'm going to bitch for five minutes. Mm -hmm. Just listen to me, make eye contact with me, nod your fucking head and let me know that you're there. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, or I might be like, that's all I need is a pulse. (laughs) Right. Or I might be like, I need a solution. So listen to what I have to say. If, if you can't help me with a solution, like let's eat dinner, let's, Let's chill out for a little bit. Like, tell me a good time when I can use your brain again, you know, yeah. so just like checking in with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, that was the long winded answer. No, no, no. That, that was perfect. And I feel like everybody listening can kind of get this idea. And I hope everybody listening, regardless of their current situation, whether they are dating, married, single, like they can realize that these, this is real practical stuff that has obviously worked for two significant relationships, you know, Jenna and her husband, and then Bo and Amy, I I feel like, you know, this is good stuff. You know, this is important. It's not Mm -hmm. like, like Amy was saying, it's not the live, laugh, love over the kitchen table. This is like practical stuff. And I, I, I gag when I see stuff like that, you know, or people who make their husband's profession, their life, like stop, stop. That's not important. That's not helping you work or like, Oh, I cry every night shift. Stop. Like eventually you got to realize that that's not real. That's just bogus and, and it's a lot not of times mentally it's- healthy no matter what line of work you're in it is not Correct. mentally healthy to like Bo said earlier vicariously live through your significant other's life experiences you are your own individual person it doesn't matter what color what religion what gender whatever you are you are your own being you are your own person you need to have your own identity whether or not you've ever met your significant other you need to be comfortable in your own skin you need to get the tools to be able to do that and whether or not it's doing your own thing, having your own hobbies, having friends outside of your line of work, whatever your line of work may be, or um, just figuring out who you are as a person and carrying yourself. And then the better you are at that, the better you are at being either the sounding board or the part-time therapist or the, <laughs> mm-hmm. or the wife or the husband or the girlfriend or the boyfriend or whatever you are. If you don't have your own house in order... Uh, you can't help other people. And it also carries over into our lines of work. Like you've got to be very settled in who you are as a person and what you want to do with your life and things, because even going call to call, you can robot it. You definitely can. And all of us are guilty of roboting certain interactions with the public because that's how we kind of keep our, what's left of our sanity. But at the same time too, you also have to be whole as a person and be able to help other people at least get back to some semblance of whole. Uh, you can't, you can't do it with the public. You can't do it with your own personal life or anybody you interact with. If you're not lined up and we're not all lined up all the time, uh, but we're mud- muddling through the best we can. Mm-hmm. And I am, I'm not as good as it, as my husband is. 
Like I'm definitely the venter and I'm the crier and I'm the emotional one. Um, and he is more of the, I don't want to say robotic, but he is definitely more of the straight line mm-hmm. and I am the roller coaster and somewhere in the middle we meet and it's not always pretty, but we try to make the best of it. And again, like my husband said, like you guys have all been saying, communication is key. It doesn't matter if you're a, a spouse who's in the business or not, you need to effectively communicate. And you need to effectively set boundaries and maybe set aside time to be like, okay, tonight, we're not going to be worried about what's for dinner. When the kids are getting to practice this, that, and the other thing, we're going to text each other at about two o'clock in the afternoon when we're already on that downhill slope from day shift and be like, uh, dinner ideas. Mm -hmm. Cause Mm -hmm. I'm already telling you, you don't have to cook and I'm not either. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. So which one of us is going to get the takeout or stopping at the grocery store to grab something that we don't have to cook? Like all important. That's where the yeah. Publix yeah. Uh, fried chicken yeah. night comes. To oh, I agree. God bless Publix fried chicken. <laughs> I agree. Um, totally. Breakfast Amy, champions. Absolutely. Amy, what I wanted to say off of that, and I had to pull up the quotes. So I didn't butcher it. Um, is to serve from the saucer, not the cup. Yes. Basically, you know, if you want to make sure your house is in order. Yes. But, I, my, my old saying used to always be, you can't serve from an empty glass, mm-hmm. even better. Don't serve from the glass at all. Serve from the saucer, everything that you have extra, you can give to other people, because mm-hmm. if I'm taking away from me to help you, then it's going to hurt me in the long run. And then eventually I'm going to be giving way more than I'm keeping. So mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely right for everybody listening. My mom, age old Italian wisdom was like, you can't love anyone until you love yourself exact same thing you can't take care of other people unless you're taken care of as well and i think that was spot on mm-hmm. all right folks i think we're gonna just about wrap up i think we've hit our our time here i think this was absolutely great uh thank you so much i i posed a question i was a little late on it dealing with this whole hurricane thing usually i get it out a little earlier uh for any listener questions so i only got a few but we kind of touched on all of them the only thing that we didn't touch on is going to be for amy and for jenna and it's how do you tackle always missing your spouse and the long periods of separation? Be married for a while. You won't No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just Those this makes the heart grow fonder. It does. Um, yeah, go ahead, Amy. No, you go first. You were- oh, okay. I was just making my jokes first. I, I mean, think of, again, coming back to what you need and asking for it. So if, touching base every once in a while makes you feel comfortable and your significant other is in a position where they're able to do that. It depends largely upon their situation. You know, a big thing for us is just maintaining communication. So like I say to my husband, if you're going to be late, fine, just, just let me know because the moment that you're 15 minutes late, I'm going to look at the clock. I'm going to start wondering, you know, because we've had those situations where you've been late, you've been hurt. (laughs) You know what I mean? So Um, my natural inclination, he always laughs at me. It's like, you always think the worst. Um, well, you know, what do you want? I'm anxious. Right, right, right. So, um, I like to maintain communication or just kind of set some ground rules for yourself and for each other in these unique circumstances of like, Hey, how am I going to keep in touch with you? Am I going to send you a selfie every, you know, few hours just to make you feel like I'm there? I don't, you know, what, what works for you, Amy, what do you think? Um, I agree again, the communication and the boundaries and things like that. Um, this, this line of work does not afford a, you cut off at exactly this minute and you're already on your way home. Like there's going to be stuff. The public makes it so that we have job security and there is going to be stuff Mm -hmm. that comes up the last minute. 
Um, we just had a, a gentleman named Ian trot through our state mm-hmm. and ruin everybody's mm-hmm. schedules for at least the foreseeable next month or two minimum. Um, so again, for those, um, those families that are affected by that storm, you are in my thoughts and prayers. And I have mm-hmm. seen the firsthand devastation. Uh, Bo even took my mom and stepdad back across the state. And he said, we didn't think we were going to get halfway because the water was so high on some of the roads. So, but when you have communication like that, check in throughout the day, a, a simple text message is enough. Um, live and kicking, um, hopefully be home on time for dinner. Understand yeah. that the full three course dinner is not going to happen every night. Our moms and our grandmas did that. This generation is not going to be doing that, but you know, have some time where you can talk over a meal or after the meal is done, if it's going to cause you indigestion, um, mm-hmm. understand right. that, uh, the things that your spouse sees in their day-to-day job is not always appropriate dinner table conversation or in front of the kids. And it's, you're not going to find out everything ever. Right. Um, it's right. not that they're keeping secrets. It's that they are keeping themselves aligned and keeping their house in order and keeping our house in order as a family and as a group effectively communicate, effectively set boundaries. And then at the very end of the day, if things are getting to be too much and the communication isn't there, get some therapy, get some help, get somebody who specializes in first responders and that sort of thing too. There's no shame in it. You, you go ask for help when your 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 ideas are not working anymore reach out mm-hmm. to somebody who can give you a different perspective absolutely absolutely yep i'm taking notes and that's one of the things that i wanted to say as well so i appreciate you saying that creating a plan for yourself too if you're anxious while they're gone you know it depends on what your family situation looks like if he's at work a lot i'm taking care of the kids i'm busy i'm distracted um i'm i'm often trying to overcompensate to make things feel as normal as possible while he's not there. Um, so I'm getting the homework done. I'm bringing them to and from, you know, appointments, places, sports, everything. But if you're able to make that your time too, do some things that mm-hmm. some of your hobbies, some of the things that feel good for you, mm-hmm. call a friend that you haven't talked to in a while, have a plan to manage your own anxieties. If that's something that, you know, impacts you and affects you. And again, like Amy said, you know, if that needs to be formalized in the form of a therapist, seek out your own support as well. This is a very high stress career, you know, so being with someone in a high stress career, there's a ripple effect to that. So absolutely know what your needs are and create a plan to have those needs met. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, just kind of to encapsulate everything I've noticed Mm -hmm. in my personal life, like right now. I work days, she works nights, but we work the same days. So when I come home, she's already gone. And I use that time as my decompression time. So that way, you know, I lounge on the couch, I play on the podcast, whatever it might be, and it works. And then when she's off, when she gets off and I'm at work, she uses that time to decompress. And then we have our days off together. So that kind of smooths it all over. Right. Find your groove. Exactly. Exactly. And of course, once you get that groove, the schedule changes and now you have to come up with a new <laughs> yeah, groove, yes. but that's okay. It makes too. it fun and interesting, yeah, right? Spice of life. Right. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, we're going to wrap up. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your insights. Uh, Bo, Amy, Jenna, uh, thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and turn the mics back over to you. If you guys want to say anything in closing. Um, so we'll start with Bo and then we'll work our way down. I, I appreciate being able to get on here and um, 
you know, just throw out some of the things that people might not know about. You know, it's, I don't think it's as complicated as uh, as really a lot of people think. It's just, you know, let let the other person know what you need. It's a lot, it's a lot. So you put yeah. it out, be well received. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what I've learned from this conversation and I hope everyone else has is like cop relationships, non-cop relationships, they're all basically the same. Because if you communicate to your husband, the banker, the same way you communicate to your husband, the cop, it's going to work the exact same. Thank you very much, Bo, for your time. Amy, go ahead. Um, again, yes, communication is key in, in every part of your life anyway. Um, but I think when we get complacent in our relationships, we feel like we don't have to communicate because that other person should automatically know. Um, no. <laughs> so don't assume the other person automatically knows. You have to keep the lines of communication open your entire life. Um, that doesn't mean overshare all of your personal stuff all the time, but definitely um, effectively communicate or find someone who can help you effectively communicate. It doesn't mean you have flaws or there's something wrong with you. It just means your approach might not be working for the person on the receiving end of it. And that applies to every relationship you have, whether or not it's your parents or your spouse or your kids or your coworkers or co-workers. Um, sometimes it's a, well, a communication lines are blurred and um, it, the better you are at communicating and also listening and retaining the better off everybody is. And even if your relationship doesn't work out, you take those experiences and bring them forward and everybody benefits in the end. If you effectively communicate and you effectively listen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Communication is a two way street. Thank you so much for your time, Amy. I appreciate it. And Jenna last, but definitely not least go ahead with your closing remarks. I just piggyback off everything that everyone else said. Oh, that's <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I think we've basically covered everything, but talking about the importance of individual therapy, even Bo was saying it before, and I didn't want to interrupt you when you were in your group, but just having someone in your position be able to speak about the importance of sitting down and talking with a counselor when you need to, I don't think you realize how much impact that has on some of the listeners who needed to hear that too. So not only on the spouse's side, but also on the law enforcement side, um, finding someone law enforcement specific who understands the culture um, and finding a therapist who's a good fit for you. Anybody listening to this as well, I mean, if you feel like couples therapy is something that would benefit you, jump into it. Like find somebody who specializes with couples, find someone who specializes with law enforcement couples um, and build a real solid foundation for, you know, we were referring to it as boundaries, but really rules um, of how of how you're going to make this work. Right. Especially if you're in it for the long haul. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. As always, it's always a pleasure. And uh, we're working folks on doing a series of these. Uh, I don't know when the next one will be, but the next one we want to do is cop and cop. And then also we want to talk to the single cops out there too. So all the single ladies and gentlemen uh, go ahead and contact us because these are different dynamics in this whole yeah. cops relationship thing. And that's a big factor in our lives too. So all of you, thank you so much. Everyone listening, stay tuned. We'll wrap it up in just a moment. Thanks guys.
And once again, thank you to my guests for their insight and their personal experiences, sharing them with me and with you. Everybody, if you enjoyed this episode, we have Hard to Love Part 2 coming up in, uh, I want to say January or February. I think it's going to be around February. And we're going to talk about dating in the cop world. All right, so as we wrap up today's episode, though, I want to tell you about this amazing documentary I've watched on Netflix. I definitely am obsessing over it currently. It is called Stuts. It's a film by Jonah Hill as he highlights his own personal psychiatrist, Dr. Phil Stutz. Throughout the film, we learn about Stutz's life story as well as his theories and methodologies. It's all very interesting and I think you guys should check it out. Phil also has a book called The Tools that he co-wrote with Barry Michael, his partner in practice. And I, I've downloaded that too. I started listening to it on uh, Audible. So definitely check it out. It is um, high on the 10-8 recommendations list currently. So based on that, I want to close today's episode talking about one of Phil Stutz's tools. Now, I'm no Phil Stutz at all, and I highly recommend you go watch the film and read the book so that way you can get more information, but I'm going to touch on it real quick because I feel like it's an important topic. The tool is called the dark cloud. If you've ever been on an airplane, and there's high probability that you have, this imagery will resonate and you'll be able to understand. If you've ever been in an airplane, taking off on a rainy day, it's dark and it's dreary, and you look up and the sky is just gray and gross and it's it's terrible, right? But as you ascend to the sky, what happens? Well, it's a little shaky when you hit the turbulence, when you go through the clouds and the, the wind and the rain and the things going on like that. It may even scare you a bit as you go through it. But when you get through that darkness, there's nothing but clear skies ahead. If you go high enough, no matter how dark and how gloomy it may be, there is still bright sun and blue skies. The dark clouds do not extend to space. The dark clouds have an end. They do not take up all of existence. If you extend that analogy and think of your dark clouds as your bad circumstances, whether it's a bad day, a bad month, a bad year, there is always an end to it. There is always sunshine. You have to get through it. You have to rise above these clouds to get to the happiness and the sunshine. And my one caveat to that is, to those of you that want to hit me with the rebuttal, but 10 is just one bad thing after another after another. Well, then it's time to look at your lifestyle. What are you doing that leads to constant terrible things? Are you working too much, putting too much of your physical health in jeopardy? Are you not spending enough time with your wife or kids? Are you not spending enough time with yourself? Are you mistreating yourself by eating poorly, not sleeping enough, and not exercising? Trust me, I've been guilty of all of these things, and that's how I can speak from experience. Now I get it, bad shit does happen, and sometimes nothing you can do can stop it. Sometimes you just have these black clouds, and that happens. But what I'm here to tell you is, they're temporary. What you need to do is get in your mind that you will ascend through those clouds, and you will rise above it. That concludes our episode today, folks. Thank you so much for checking us out. Be sure to share this episode with your friends. Rate it, review it, subscribe, and check out our merch store, 10-8-memes.ecwid.com. If you get an order in by the end of next week, it will be shipped out in time for Christmas. So just be sure to keep that out. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Truth Social, YouTube, and Facebook is actually down for a bit, but we'll be, we'll be back there soon. Next week... 
we have on the show a human that I consider a true inspiration. He is my friend Aaron Lohman. You may know him from Instagram and the internet as the huge fat loser. So definitely check that out. We're going to be calling the episode My Own Worst Enemy. Cops are notorious at self-sabotage, so you definitely want to check that out. Monday, we have... Punk Rock Cops episode 5, I think. And uh, go back and check out all of our previous episodes this season, as well as all the Jersey Boys and Punk Rock Cops episodes. We're going to keep churning them out until y'all get sick of them. Until next time, friends, take care of each other, stay safe, and remember, rise above those clouds. 10-8, out.